0: have the opportunity to speak here at Amazing Grace. I genuinely believe that this is one of the best churches in the United States, and I don't say that lightly. I believe that, and I know that. You guys have some really great people here. You have some amazing leadership here, and there's not a whole lot of pastors like Pastor Jolliffe. He's an amazing guy. He's walked for almost 30 years now in this church with integrity, not compromising the word of God, telling the truth, and empowering others to go forth and do the ministry that God has called them to. So. I think it's important that we honor men in the ministry and women like Sharon, who have been working with women and working in all different kinds of areas, and make sure that they don't go underappreciated. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and open with prayer real quick, and then we'll go ahead and get into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day here in Michigan. God, we love you, and we are grateful for what you are about to bring forth this morning. Father, I thank you that my tongue will be as the pen of a ready writer speaking forth your truth this morning. Father, right now we set our hearts in the position of learning. God, we will not just be forgetful hearers of your word, but we will be doers of the word that we hear this morning. Thank you for revelation coming forth. I thank you for answers. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here living and dwelling on the inside of us, that he is the teacher, that he is the giver of light. So Father, thank you that we are going to learn and we are excited about what you have in our future. And we are thankful for everything you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, once again, my name is Joshua Marthy. I am originally from Wisconsin, so I hope you won't hold that against me. <laughs> I am a diehard Badgers fan, but at least I'm not an Ohio State fan, right? Yeah, that's fair. Now, Pastor, I do apologize, because <laughs> Pastor is an Ohio State fan, but, you know, nobody's perfect, right? So, <laughs> Anyways, um, my wife and I, have been doing a couple different things we were serving at the church here for several years and then we just moved to Oklahoma this last August and uh, Oklahoma has been really really amazing it's been quite the transition for us we have three children and my wife is due in two weeks with our fourth Amen. so we have had uh, quite quite the blessed experience as far as children go so we're gonna have our second boy here in a couple weeks it's been really awesome um, in praying in preparation for this morning I was kinda of asking God What kind of direction do you want to take the service? Um, Because there's a lot of different directions that you could go. Being in missions school, being a missionary, there's obviously a couple different things that most people think of when they think of missionaries, you know. (laughs) But I wanted to bring a little bit of a different perspective this morning, and I wanted to um, talk about the gospel that we carry with us, and what does it look like to carry the gospel. Because I don't know about you guys, but this last year, 2020, there's been a lot of different things said about the year. One of my friends I saw posted on Facebook yesterday. He said, well, we're five years into 2020. And I'm like, that's that's a perspective. It's been five years. Like, this is the longest year ever. This is year five of 2020. It just won't end. Like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Here's my thing, though. 2020 has been one of the best years of my life. Right. Come on. And I'm not just saying that just to be positive. I'm not kidding. 2020 has been one of the best years of my life. Financially, this has been the best year of my life. How can that be possible? Financially, this has been the best year of my life because we have been sowing and we are reaping. We are faithful to do what God has called us to do and he is providing for us. When we moved to Oklahoma, there was a lot of questions. God, how are we gonna get there? What is the finances gonna look like? That's a lot of money that we're gonna have to use to get there. And the first day of school, I have to have $3,500 to pay them. And then I've got an internship coming up that's $15,000. A $15,000 internship which I'll talk about here in a few minutes. God, how is all this gonna work? Well, we've had everything paid off so far all the way up to the internship. So the last thing we have to get is that internship money and then we're good. God is faithful. We have a beautiful home, a beautiful home down there that's taking care of our kids and taking care of students that are coming. This has been one of the best years of my life, probably the best year of my life. And it's just gonna keep on getting better. And you know what, 2021 is gonna be the best year yet. Well, Josh, what's the, what's this, the United States going to look like? What's the pandemic? Does, does it matter? Nope. Nope. Come on. We're going to keep on going and doing what the gospel says and what God says to us. Well, Josh, who is the president going to be? Does it matter? Nope. In the grand scheme of things. We've lived under Democrats. We've, we've lived under Republicans. Does it really matter? Right. Now, I know who I would like to win, but that's a subject for a different time. <laughs> I know what would be easier, but... We're going to follow God through this entire thing. And my goal is not to preach politics this morning. We're here to talk about the gospel. The great, <laughs> the great gospel this morning. Yes. But here's my question to you. What have you decided about 2020, and what are you looking forward to going into 2021? Because 2020 has had opportunity for me. I don't know about you guys, but it's so easy whenever we're in the middle of stressful situations to kind of, to kind of lose focus of everything that's happening. It's just, I have to survive 2020. And when I was preparing for this message, God spoke to me and said, perspective. What is your perspective going into 2021? Is it, thank God we're in 2021 and man, 2020 is behind us. If that's your attitude, I would say this, you might be in for another 2020. You might be in for another 2020 if you're just looking forward to December 31st into January 1st. One day is not going to change it. We're not going to wake up on January 1st and then everything is just stress-free and, man, not a cloud in the sky. No. We live on a world where there is sin, where there is a devil, and he is going to try to wreck everything. That's where you and I come in, though. So let's take a look at a couple different things. I wanted to talk to you this morning about specifically the Great Commission, which shouldn't be a surprise because I am a missionary who takes that around the world. But first, I want to actually go into a slightly different spot because I don't think it really matters so much... If we go somewhere, if we don't know what we're supposed to deliver, think of it like this. It's Christmas time, right? I'm an Amazon delivery man, and I'm driving over to Mona and Tom's house, right? I'm driving there, I'm driving there. All right, here we go. I'm at Mona and Tom's house. All right, I'm here to deliver you the package that you ordered for Christmas. Well, which package is it? Uh, I don't know. None of them are labeled. I don't know. I don't know which package is (laughs) yours. Drive over to Pastor Jolliffe's house. All right, Pastor, I've got a package for you. Which one is it? Uh, how about this one? You can just take this random one. Okay, that was actually the one for Mona and Tom. When we go to give something and go to deliver something, we need to know what we're actually doing and what we're delivering to them. It doesn't matter if I go to the right place if it's not the right package. It doesn't matter if I go halfway around the world but don't have the right gospel. It's not going to be effective and it's not going to be what they need. So my question is this, we're called to take the gospel to the entire world, but what is the actual gospel that we're supposed to take? Because I will say this, I have heard portions of the gospel preached, I've heard the whole gospel preached, and I've even heard none of the gospel preached in different things. People just saying crazy stuff about how you get to God. Well, it's all about your good works, you have to do penance, you have to climb up this mountain. I know some people in Mexico, they crucify themselves in order to find favor with God. They literally hang themselves on a cross and crucify them. I know people down in Haiti, in order to find divine power, that fast food and water for 40 days. Well, Josh, that's not possible. They invite demons to come inhabit their body and help them for 40 days not die. So that the ones that do survive are endued with their dark power. I've met them before. When I was in Haiti, I met several different witch doctors. But here's the thing, when I met them, It wasn't a, this is me versus you. This is good versus evil here. It's, that person is a captive. My fight's not against flesh and blood. My fight is against the power that is controlling that person's life. That person is seeking the truth, and they found the lie. So if I present the truth and can set them free from that lie, then we're fine. My fight is not against people. My fight is against the spirit that is controlling people. He is the spirit of the world, the prince of the power of the air. And just like Pastor is saying, we're going to learn in January the authority that we have over him, because we have the right to destroy the works of the devil wherever we go. Let's go to Psalm 103 real quick. We're going to look at at this gospel a little bit and talk about some different aspects of it. Psalm 103, it should be right near the middle of the Bible. Go ahead and wait for a second while we do this real quick. psalm 103 we'll go ahead and start at verse 1 so i'll let you guys finish up uh, turning there while we go this has been a life verse for me for a little while it says this psalm 103 i think there's a couple more people still finding it but i'll just go ahead and start bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who pardons all of your iniquities, that means forgives your sins, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. Well, Josh, that's quite the list, yeah? It's a list of benefits. If I were to work for Amazon or FedEx, I would have a list of benefits of being a worker. They would say, this is your benefits package. You have health insurance. You have retirement. You have all these other things. Let me tell you guys something. There is a benefit package to being in the kingdom of God.
1: Yes.
0: And listen, I've heard it preached like this before. Well, when you get born again, you, just, you have to get excited because guess what? You're not going to hell. Okay? That's an aspect of it. Did it say benefit or did it say benefits? It said benefits. It's not a benefit. It's benefits. What does that mean? There are multiple aspects to this gospel that we take. There are multiple benefits to being in a relationship with God. It's not just, I have fire insurance, so I dodge hell whenever I die. It's not just that. But I've heard it preached before that, well, you know, God just wants to work out sickness and disease in your body, and when you get to heaven, you'll be healed and you'll be fine. Is that what this says? It says he heals all my diseases. Why would Jesus say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? In heaven, is there anyone sick? Is there anyone tormented? Is there anyone poor? Fewer people like to answer that one when I ask that question. (laughs) The cement in heaven is gold because there's that much. The gates are a single pearl that you can walk through. Jade, onyx, ruby, beryl. That's not so I can build this huge kingdom down here and be like, sit on my piles of money and Scrooge McDuck kind of like laugh and count my coins while yeah. I'm, that's not what it is. No, the gospel takes money to go around the world. I know that. I've been looking at plane tickets. <laughs> I know how much money it is to go overseas, especially with a family. It's a lot of money. Does God provide for that? Is that part of the benefits? The FedEx and Amazon worker doesn't go to work, drive around, drop off packages, and then they go, good job, buddy. They give him a paycheck. Let's look at some of these benefits a little bit closer. Number one, it says he pardons all of your iniquities. That means he forgives your sins. We're all pretty okay with that one, right? Number two, heals how many of your diseases? How many of your diseases? Does that miss anything? No. He redeems your life from the pit. What does that mean? That means he bought you back. He redeemed you from slavery and death. And another definition is he brought you out of torment. (coughs) This one's been a problem that I've noticed. There's a lot of people tormented. Depression and suicide are at an all-time high in this country and around the world. Why? Because there is torment and there is heaviness because of this whole pandemic thing that's been happening. But let me tell you this, guys. Just because that is happening doesn't mean that the Great Commission and the, the responsibility to take the gospel stops. I've had opportunities in the middle of this whole coronavirus thing to see the sick healed, to see people experience the gospel, Amen. to be born again. I remember one of them, I work as a, this is a funny, funny thing, I work as a wedding DJ right now <laughs> down in Oklahoma because it's a great job for me. I get to work on the weekends and the rest of the week I can focus on school, right? After one of my shows, this is just one example, I walked down the stairs because I was up in this, um, in the top of a brewery because that's where the people were getting married So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff happening up there. People are, you know, very drunk, whatever. But I get to love the people, and I get to tell them about Jesus, take the opportunities. And when I walked downstairs, I noticed that there was a homeless lady that was walking across the street. And everybody else kind of, like, walked around her and avoided her. And she was asking for food. And they have a huge plate of food. And they took it to the back of the truck, closed the truck, and drove off. And she was asking for food. And while she sat down, like with her little bag, and she asked a couple of the other people, because I knew that these people were Christian, because they had been talking about it throughout the wedding. And she was like, if I can't have food, will you pray for me? And they all ignored her and walked away. And this is what God said to me. He said, you don't want the harvest when I bring it to you. The harvest doesn't look like what we think it should sometimes. The people that are sick and hurting, they're not going to necessarily look pretty. They're not going to be wearing suits and ties all the time. Right. They're not going to talk correctly. Right. Sometimes they're going to smoke. Sometimes they're going to have a potty mouth and be cussing and swearing all over the yeah. place. Sometimes yeah. they're going to have alcohol bottles. Right. This lady was smoking a blunt, smoking marijuana. Yeah. And I walked over to her, and I sat down, and I said, ma'am, I'd like to pray for you. And she said, You would? And she took her blunt, kind of like (laughs) put it out on the ground and was like, well, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And I was like, it's fine. Just call me Josh. And I sat down in the dirt with her. And there's other people walking by giving me weird looks because, you know, like, well, it's the middle of a pandemic and that homeless lady doesn't have a mask. (laughs) So I'm going to let that stop me from bringing the gospel of hope and healing to someone. I trust the power of God. I'm not going to be dumb, but I'm going to trust the power of God. God is more concerned about that woman's eternity and salvation than he is about a coronavirus thing. But our gospel and our ministry doesn't stop just because there's a virus going around. There's always stuff happening in the world. There's always sickness in the world. It could be flu season. Okay, great. God's going to protect me from that. So as I was talking to this lady, and she was tormented, she was shaking and she was quivering or whatever, And that was a great opportunity for me because I gave her the gospel. And I started talking to her about her worth and her value because she was like, I just don't know what to do. I'm just so afraid. I feel like I have a demon in me or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this like, you know, she's in distress. And I prayed with her on the sidewalk. And then she started calming down. And I gave her the gospel and I said, listen, I don't care what anybody else has said about you. You are loved. God gave Jesus Christ, his son for you because he loved you so much. Well, I'm not worthy. That doesn't matter. We all fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. Just because I look like a certain way because I had a tie on and I was dressed like this too, that doesn't mean that I was more worthy of God's love than you. We were all in the same playing field. It's all baseline. But here's the thing, if I look at people as, well, that person's less worthy of the blood of Christ. That person's more worthy of the blood of Christ. I'm okay ministering to that person because that person I'm comfortable with. That person doesn't make my skin crawl. What do you do when God tells you to go to people that you don't want to go to? We see that in the Bible very clearly. The book of Jonah. If you look at the historical background to that, God goes to this prophet who knows his voice. Because when God comes to him and says, Jonah, go to Nineveh, he's not like, oh, who said that? Who said that? No, no, no. He runs away. Mm -hmm. There was no question he knew the voice of God. He knew the instruction of God. God said, go over here. And he's like, oh, no. We look at it and we go, that doesn't make any sense. God says, go do this assignment. The company says, go deliver this package over here. And he runs away. He drives off the other direction. Here's the thing. Assyria, the nation, back in the day, had a capital called Nineveh. Assyria and Israel were at war constantly. So God isn't saying, go to that city. He's saying, go to your worst enemy and give them the gospel because I want to stop judgment from coming upon the city. Jonah is sent to his worst enemy, the people that would come into Israel that would kill their people, destroy their crops, kill their cattle, and burn down their homes. He might have even had family that was killed by Assyria. And God says, I want you to go to their capital. And I want you to preach to them and tell them to repent. Because if they will repent, then I will save them and I will spare them. And Jonah says, yeah, right. No way. No how. What if other people from Israel found out that Jonah the one that stopped Nineveh from getting blown up? Listen, God could have killed all of our enemies and we would be fine. But Jonah, you had to go there and you had to preach the gospel to him. And God relented. It's an uncomfortable uncomfortable thing. You know where my wife and I (laughs) have our internship location in? This isn't recorded, right? Right. Not Not online? Okay. My wife and I are going to Erbil, Iraq on our internship with four kids to work with people that have been there for 15 years. There's a lot of people in the church that are like, you know what? got to watch out for the Muslims, you know. It's like, yeah, there's no hope for them. I've seen Muslims born again. I've seen Muslims healed. I've seen Muslims have the power of God descend on them. They get born again filled with the Spirit. They are passionate about their version of the truth, <laughs>
1: right.
0: the lie that they serve, which is Islam. And I'll tell you this, most of them are just afraid. They're afraid of the God that they serve. Because there's no compassion and there's no love. It's just serve me and die for me. And I get to introduce, this is the God that died for you. My God's not asking you to go sacrifice yourself for him and go kill yourself for him. My God said I would die for you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that I'm taking to them. Why are they taking it? Because we're introducing love. That's the key to every person's heart in this entire world is love. I don't care if it's Mona and Tom and Saginaw. I don't care if it's me going overseas. Pastor Jolliffe here in this area. It doesn't matter. Mona, the people in Saginaw need love. Why? Because they're human beings that Jesus died and paid a price for. One of my favorite quotes that somebody says is, if you can look at someone and say, you know, Jesus did not pay the price for them, then you can ignore them. Okay, Jesus didn't pay a price for Mike Lynn, all right? So I can just, yeah, I can just ignore her. It doesn't matter. says that he was sacrificed for all mankind. Yes. Once for all people, yeah. for all time. Yes. For God so loved the entire world that he gave his son. This is not just a location thing. And we need to realize that, church, because we have a mission. We have a commission. What does that mean? We are called to work alongside someone else, the Holy Spirit in us. Holy Spirit upon us. Yes. And as we go, it doesn't matter what your experience level is. Just let God teach you. Yeah. I remember the first few times I started sharing the gospel with somebody. It was awkward. I was like, well, Jesus loves you. And they're like, oh yeah, well, what about this? Jesus loves you. Yeah, Jesus loves you. Okay, but what about that? Uh, Jesus loves you? <laughs> the Holy Spirit can do amazing things if you'll let him. It doesn't matter how experienced or skilled you are. So we've looked at a couple of these different things. He brought us out of torment, bought us back, redeemed us from slavery and death. The fourth thing I want to look at here is he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. What is that talking about? If you look back in the Hebrew, it has this idea to it. He gives us fatherly love and mercy. It's about a restoration to relationship. When Jesus came to the earth, he said, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. Well, okay. He didn't say, I came to seek and save those who were lost. Why? Because it's not a specific group of people. There are not some that he chose to save and some that he chose to go to hell. I came to save that which was lost. What is that which was lost? In the garden, the relationship between God and man was lost. Jesus came to restore it so that all of mankind could have all access to God. It's not those who were lost. Why? Everyone is lost without the gospel. This is not an American thing. This is not a Chinese thing. This is not an African thing. This is for the entire world. This gospel passes through culture. This gospel passes through time, stays the same, stays powerful. The blood of Jesus works the same today that it did 2,000 years ago. The healing power of God still works today. The saving power of Jesus still works the same today that it did 2,000 years ago with the Romans and with the Greeks. It's working today with the Iranians, with the Chinese, with the Russians. Even those places, yes. Did you guys know the fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran? They're having a 20% increase every year in their Christian population. And the government is going crazy. Why do you think there's such violence over there? Why are they launching rockets and killing their own people and shooting down their own airplanes? Because their country is out of control. The gospel is going in. We personally know missionaries that are taking the gospel into Iran. Now, they have to do it in a very unique way. But the gospel is in there, and the gospel is cracking. The gospel is on fire in this country. 20% increase every year in Iran. Why? Because they finally found the key to their heart. The key to the heart is not to ignore the field. It's not to ignore them because they don't look like what we want. Amazing Grace Church, there are people outside in this community that don't look that great, that don't smell that great, and don't act that great. They are your target. They are your target. The gospel needs to go to them. We shouldn't be mad when people that don't know God and when sinners come into church. That's what we've been praying for. That's what we've been asking for. God says, all right, here's the harvest. And we say, no, 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 stay out. You're not clean. Oh, no, no, no. You can't be cursing in here. This is the house of God. Ignoring the fact that there can be envy, strife, division, backbiting, and backstabbing in any churches. So is their sin worse than mine just because it's more obvious and more ugly on the outside? or is my sin just as ugly to God not throwing stones at anybody I'm just asking a question because this is something I had to work through Tulsa Oklahoma has one of the heaviest homosexual communities in the entire nation and I hear about it people that I go to school with or people that I go to church with is just man there's just they're everywhere yep target rich environment I I love ministering to homosexual people. Like, I love ministering to everybody. I love that. Why? Because they get ignored. And because Christians avoid them. And I get to interject into their life, I love you. You're a preacher. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. Jesus loves you. Well, I know Christians, and I was in the church, and then they kicked me out, and they blah, 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 and they said I was going to burn and go to hell, and they were picketing my wedding. Yep. And I'm sorry that people didn't understand the gospel properly. But I'm here to tell you that I know who really loves you. Jesus loves you. I don't try to change their behavior. I try to interject the gospel into their life and let God change them. My responsibility is not to go out there and clean people up and then bring them back in here. I bring them in here, and then I let God clean them up. I let God clean them up. I I can't do that. It's the blood of Jesus that cleans them up. I can't be so freaked out by their behavior that I lose track of their value. One more part right here. Number five, he satisfies your years with good things and renews your youth. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. He renews, that also means here, repairs. So he repairs our youth and he satisfies us with good things. What does that mean? Our innocence, our body, our energy. He does a full restoration work. Have you guys ever seen an old car and somebody goes to it and they grab it and they say, I'm going to restore this thing. This thing is going to be beautiful. This thing is going to be fast. That car doesn't look the same after it's done with the restoration process. If you have a master restorer, that car will look completely different. That car will function. That car will go fast. It'll be beautiful. That's That's what God wants to do with us. He finds us broken down, dirty, and he says, I'm going to restore this. Because you think about it, the master restorer, he doesn't see a piece of junk. He sees the future, the potential. He says, I don't see a broken down car. I see what this can be in three months if I take every day and if I work hard on this thing and if I repair this thing and if I put a brand new engine in it. It gives us a brand new heart. I'm going to put some, man, some new oil lines in it and a pump. I'm going to change the way that this thing functions from the inside out so that I can live different from the inside out, so that I have love flowing through me constantly, so that I am able to go somewhere because that car is not able to do anything. It's just sitting in a junkyard. But now, I'm not sitting in a spiritual junkyard, broken, destroyed. I am going places. I am delivering things to different places. I am taking the gospel to people that need it. That's what God wants to do with us. He is a master of restoration. God doesn't find us and say, all right, boom, you're good. Now you can just wait to die, and then I'll take you into heaven. God does a restoration act from the inside out. He changes us. I know that from my own life, man. I was not... I was not a very kind person when I first got born again and when I surrendered my life to God. But God worked on me, and I felt it. I felt those wrenches tightening, the nuts and bolts being changed. I felt him taking old stuff out and putting new stuff in. That's what the Bible says. Your, stone of heart, I will t- your heart of stone I will take out, and I will give you a heart of flesh. He put a new engine inside of me. He put a new engine inside of me and said, "Now Josh is going to function. Now he's not going to backfire and he's going to blow up at people. That's not going to be the case anymore. He's going to run smoothly and he's going to love people." Amen. Amen. So we see that, guys. This gospel that we have is incredible. You look at this thing, man. There's nothing that's left out. This gospel is all inclusive. Right. This gospel is all inclusive. Have you guys ever been on vacation and you go to an all-inclusive hotel? What does all-inclusive mean? All-inclusive means you go to the hotel, right? Right, Chuck? You go to the hotel, you check in. All right, Mr. Seeley, there's a buffet downstairs. There's an arcade. There's a swimming pool. We have a fresh, nice, soft bed with clean sheets for you. There's an ice cream machine. are better but I'm ready. Right? <laughs> there's all-inclusive resorts and hotels that you guys can go to, right? Let me tell you something. This gospel is all-inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. What happens? That means... I give my life to Jesus. I get born again, and I go to Hotel Christ. (laughs) He heals me. He heals my body. He forgives my sin. He redeems my life from the pit. He frees me from torment, and he satisfies me with good things. So I walk in, born again, and he says, here's your key. The name of Jesus. Faith in God. Let me show you around, Josh. Let me show you. Are you hungry? Here's a full buffet with a great chef. Children, (laughs) the children's bread is what, church? Healing. Healing is the children's bread. So he takes me through the buffet and says, man, check this out. You're hungry. You haven't been able to find anything to satisfy your life. Check out this full buffet. I've got steak. I've got chicken. I've got lobster tails. Baby, I got the whole thing. I know what you like. He satisfies my youth with good things. Man, check out this swimming pool right here. There's a diving board and there's a slide. Buddy, you can play in this a soft, comfortable bed, man, there is rest for your weary soul. Feel this rest. This is a pillow topper, baby. (laughs) This is a pillow topper. Rest in me. Here's the thing, church. There's an empty room next to me. This all-inclusive resort is not just for me. This all-inclusive resort that I live in called Christ has empty rooms next to me. This hotel is not small. I am called to go out and tell people, you've got to check this out. There's an all inclusive resort right here. And all you have to do is just go say, I want a room. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, if we would take this gospel right here and show people, the, the ones that are hungry, listen, you've got to check out the buffet. Man, I have tasted and I have seen that he is good. I have tasted and I have seen that he is good. I have the fountain that will not run dry on the inside of me. Man, I am happy, I am full, and I am satisfied. That gospel wins people to Christ. Not the gospel of, you're going to burn. Turn or burn, baby. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. I don't see Jesus ever say turn or burn in the Bible. He came to seek and save that which was lost. The woman caught in the act of adultery, in the very act, he could have picked up a stone and killed her. He gave her mercy. He also said, go and sin no more. He wasn't empowering her to sin. He said, listen, this is mercy. Because in the Old Testament, there wasn't. If you were caught in the act, you were going to die. But Jesus came and showed a better way. He said, it's not just about the judgment of God. I wanna show you the love, compassion, and grace of God because there is going to be judgment on sin one day, but you can avoid that because God doesn't want you to have to face judgment. God wants you in an all-inclusive hotel that's going to take care of every need that you have. I've experienced it. But here's the thing, there's a lot of room left. Let me give you guys some statistics according to the Joshua Project. Morgan, can you go ahead and put up that picture in a second? <laughs> Whenever you have time. Can you guys see that picture okay? I'll explain the colors in a minute. People groups is um, a group of... Um, a group that has their own language, their own culture, right? There are approximately 7,500 unreached people groups left in the world. 7,500 unreached people groups left on this globe. There are 17,400 roughly total. So 7,500 out of 17,000 don't have the gospel yet. 97% of missionaries are sent to a place or a people group that already have the gospel. 3% of missionaries are sent to people that don't have the gospel of any kind. 253 of 547 people groups in China do not even have a portion of the Bible in their primary Mandarin dialect. 2,145 people groups in the world do not have scripture, audio recordings, or the Jesus film in their language. 164 million people. 1,896 people in Northern Africa and the Middle East do not have scripture or Jesus film in their language, approximately 222 million people. Southern Asia has 1.7 billion unreached people in its various countries. The top four nations with the most evangelical Christians in the entire world are Nigeria, Brazil, the United States, and China. The Chinese church is experiencing explosive growth. This map right up here has a couple different things I want you guys to see. Red is the unreached or least reached people groups. Yellow is formative. that means there's some churches there, but it's not very reached. Green means that there is a strong church presence there. A hundred years ago, Europe was green. Since 1900, percentage of Christianity in Europe has gone from 40% to 5%. In, less, in just over 100 years, right. Right. 40% of Europe claimed evangelical Christian, we are Christians, we are followers of Christ. Right. And it's dropped in 120 years to 5%. That's a 35% decrease in one continent.
1: Right.
0: South America was completely red 75, 80 years ago, right. and now it's completely green because that was a focus of the church is we have to go to Brazil, we have to go to Colombia, we have to go spread the gospel down south. And that doesn't mean that there's not more places there that need it, but that was red. And now we've seen a transition to it being green. The same with Africa. The southern part of Africa was red 100 years ago. But then you have people like Reinhard Bonnke and you have Daniel Kalenda and you have people going, getting 75 million people born again in less than 10 years. 75 million people born again through gospel crusades. That is called a recognition of where are the hungry? They're right there. That's where I'm going. Yeah, but it's dangerous. They've had their trucks get attacked. They've had their workers get shot. None of them killed, which is amazing. God protected them. None of them killed. But they've had their convoys attacked. They've had violence by different tribes. And God protected them every time. And they've seen 75 million people in less than 10 years. Now Daniel Kalenda, the, the guy that's taking over now for Reinhard Bonnke, His goal is 200 million in the next 10 years. 200 million people and working its way up into Northern Africa. Why? Because we're identifying this is where the problem is. This is where the most unreached people are. My wife and I, we're going to the red spot right in the middle. Why? Because that's where the hungry are. That's where the gospel needs to be preached. Now listen, some of you guys are called to stay here and preach the gospel to Breckenridge and Wheeler and Lansing and Saginaw. You're called to do that. Some of us are called to go other places. That's fine. But here's the thing. None of us is left out of this gospel command. It's called the Great Commission. It's not called the Great Suggestion. (laughs) It's not called the Great Omission. It's called the Great Commission. That's what Jesus called it. Go into all the world. What are the different places he said to go? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, everywhere. Jerusalem is your immediate surroundings. Judea is the geographical area that you live in. Samaria were their enemies, and everywhere, that's the entire world. Then he not get along with the Samaritans, but Jesus met a Samaritan woman and showed her love and grace and set a precedent for the gospel. I've heard people say crazy stuff about the Middle East and Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Well, there's no hope for them. They're too closed off. They're not too closed off. I see the gospel penetrating that country and that portion of the world. I see that area of the map turning green. I see it lighting up with the gospel. Come on. Why? Because people are going to go, and people are going to give what they need. So church, that's what we are doing. I think my time is just about up. And I want you to know this. We are thankful for the training and the support that we've had here. We're thankful for the relationships that we've had here. And I wanted to encourage you today just to take a perspective look at how the gospel is doing overseas. What can you do about it? What can I do about it? In your area right here, invite someone to church. There's empty seats around you. There's empty rooms in your, next to you that are all inclusive, but the people don't know about it around us. There's people that are hungry. We've got full access to a buffet. There's people that are thirsty. We've got a full soda machine, man. We got the Pepsi one that you can mix all the different flavors. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've got that too. We've got hot showers what you need to clean be satisfied but if we don't know it we won't access it and then we won't tell other people about it so what do we need to do we need to start getting people in church i know your pastor's heart dr jolliff has one goal in mind when it comes to i text him every time and i say pastor how can i pray for you souls 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 I want revival in this part of Michigan. I want people born again in this part of Michigan. That's the heart we have to have, church. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I would say follow Pastor Jolliffe as he follows Christ. Get people in these doors. Well, Josh, they're too afraid to go out. We have an online service. Share the link with them. We have to get people involved. We have to show people the all-inclusive hotel. Be available every day. When the Holy Spirit says move, we say where to? And Holy Spirit said to us, Erbil, Iraq. I was like, "Who? all right. Yes, Lord. am not going to pull a Jonah and say, no, nah, I'd rather go to Mexico. That's a little bit safer. No, nope. I told God I'd go anywhere and do anything. Sorry, finally, pray and ask God where your place is. I know where my place is. It's on the mission field. Some of you might not be called there. But here's the thing. Help people go and pray for them. Help people go and pray for them. Because I can tell you this, we pray for this church. That God would just give you everything that you need. That your eyes would be open to the truth of the gospel. That there would be no sick in this church. That there would be no need in this church as far as financial. That you guys would have your student debt paid off. That you guys would have your houses paid off. That you can support the gospel and that you can be generous to the poor in this area. We need that in this church. Debt, sickness, anxiety, torment, that's not something that should be in the house of God. So that's what we are praying and interceding for on your behalf, that Stevie would have the youth group quadruple, that he would reach the needy kids in this area, in Breckenridge and St. Louis. Why? Because the gospel is not not capped off by age. The youth needed of this generation, the adults needed of this generation, the older people needed of this generation. I've been in nursing homes and nurseries and everything in between, in schools, everyone is hungry for the gospel. So, church, bring someone with you. Show someone the hotel room next to you and say, this can be all yours. If you'll just give your life to Jesus, check out the bed. Let me pray for you and let me show you a little piece of that children's bread, which is healing. Be available every day. Pray and ask God where your place is. Is that supporting someone? Is that going to the mission field? That's what mine was. We supported missions work for a long time and then God tapped us on the shoulder and said, hey, it's time. God, I'm comfortable in Michigan. (laughs) I love this church. I love the people. Yep, and that's good, but it's time. I'm not saying everyone's going to have that call, but where are you called to connect in the body of Christ today? Church, thank you so much for your time and your attention listening today. I can say from Mike and myself, we love you guys. We are praying for you. We are so excited for what God is going to do. I believe these next 10 years are going to be the best years that Amazing Grace Church has ever had. I see this church full of people, full of hungry hearts. I see this area changed by the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.